Hey, welcome to Season 2, Episode 19 of Dreams, Times, and the Times. Uh, I'm Lori Lacey, and today is going to be about some of the things I've been doing to grapple with the darkness. And this, there are a lot of yin-yang elements to that. And it's a complicated process. Trying to simplify it is... I mean, it works sometimes, but what happened during this period of time where I was really working with this is that it became clear that metaphor was going to be very helpful in addressing this and facing into it. And I'm not going to set forth like a bunch of ideas on how to do it. I'm just going to describe what I did and it may seem kind of self-directed or, you know, self-indulgent even, but that is literally only because I can only speak from my own experience with this. I cannot tell another person how to do this or what to do about it because I trust that you know your configuration uh, of, you know, what you're dealing with, what tools you have. And if something comes out that you recognize as something that would be helpful, that is the point, not to say, hey, you've got to do it this way. Because I have noticed that While there are some helpful methods, the older I get, the harder it is to sift out the person's energy signature who wrote this method of doing things like uh, 10 ways to, you know, confront your, uh, the darkness or whatever, or the difficulties of life. You know, they have 10 little things that you're supposed to follow and it works. Sometimes it does work. I'm not going to say that it doesn't, but the older I get, the more I, I, I am too aware of the energy signature of the person. And, um, and, you know, I guess we, we have dealt with, uh, religious doctrine and different, modalities of spirituality and you know that's what we're we're in the modern world we have access to a lot more modalities than if we were isolated and didn't have the information influx that we have now but um some of that was supposed to distill that in such a way that it would become evident what to do but it instead what what happened is that humans got their hands on it And uh, that caused people to embed an energy signature or use it to control people or work, you know, in such a way that had a specific outcome rather than the outcome that was best designed for the person. We live in a customized world. The truth of your life is that it is customized to you. You're not supposed to fit into a box. There are things that can be helpful from, you know, sitting in a box for a little while, but it's not ultimately going to be the truth. And so these explorations that we talk about are not the easiest route because there's no set of rules. I do, I tend to pick things in life that have that sort of um, flavor to them. Like jazz improvisation, there is no safe place when you're improvising. If you're truly improvising a jazz solo, you're not safe. You're not hitting into uh, or sitting in in a box where it's predictable what's going to happen. That is the whole point. Jiu-jitsu is like that. The improvisational 
element of it means that anything could happen. And that is a scary place to walk into sometimes. You know, you can control aspects of a role, but you cannot uh, predict an outcome if everybody is in that moment 100%. And and if, if a person is truly in the moment with no um, sort of discernible outcome that is in the mind where if you're exploring, especially in, you know, sport, the sport version of it, uh, it's very interesting what can come across. Sometimes you're fighting for your life and that's a whole different scenario. And then you, uh, you know, if I am in that situation, I am going to be as much in the moment so that I can see the opportunity to escape when it arises. It's not about winning that battle. If it's really happening in the street or whatever, it's about getting the fuck out of Dodge. Um, and then, you know, hopefully not having to, to go to the ground with, with some kind of fight. So, but looking for those opportunities, being aware enough in the moment to be able to discern what, what to do that will uh, yield the optimal outcome or optimum outcome. I don't know which is right in that situation. Anyway, um, so one of the things that came up as a really cool thing that I ran into was a metaphor to describe some of this stuff. So I was driving home and there's an intersection, um, you know, a mile and a half from my house where it's, it's, it's kind of busy, but it's just off the busiest intersection. And I stopped there and I had this thought. So I was paying attention somehow to the road, obviously, but as much as a person can, because focus, there's a lot of focus in that, um, different things to focus on in that. And a thought dropped into my uh, awareness about a person that I have known in the past. And, you know, many moons ago, I knew this person, but uh, I was wondering, is this person a good person or a bad person? And because there are some horribly annoying qualities about the person's personality and some very self-directed ways that they express themselves, but then I realized that that person doesn't give a shit about what people think of them. So it's, um, the answer to the question was yes on both counts and no on both counts. The person is so unique that the expression of their existence doesn't require my judgment. And even though I get annoyed sometimes or have been annoyed when dealing with either the thoughts of the person or the random interactions that sometimes occur, um, the feeling that just because there's there might be this feeling of annoyance doesn't mean good or bad for one. And two, that's not the right question. The, the There is no uh, do that whether whether I discern that or not, and that would be putting them in a box of some kind of like, well, uh, friend or foe, and confronting that for some reason made me realize that I am processing those kinds of things in terms of myself a lot. So I don't, I'm not saying that every reaction we have to another person is our addressing some problem within us. People will say that in different doctrinal uh expressions of of analysis or whatever and and that just says it all right there 
you know, we're, if we're analyzing things to, to that level, then we've lost the poetry of it. We've lost probably some of the truth. And it's, it's not about that because we do have interactions with other people and they are not just a reflection of ourselves. There is a lesson embedded in it. But um, in this case, though, I feel that there was a little bit of a reflection on what I was kind of trying to address in certain ways and how I handle these situations. It's not just about, oh, that person looks like me in some way. It's like, how do I handle when I get that feeling of like, don't want to be around that energy? And um, so the fact that it happened at an intersection where there's a crossroads where you can make a choice of which way to go, I thought was poignant and metaphorical and beautiful and the universe speaking. Um, So when I was confronting these some of the darkness that I deal with, everybody's got some version of it. If you don't, thank thank goodness, you know, put up a podcast, please, because I will listen to it. Um, Just to be in the energy of somebody who's not fighting those kinds of battles. I am at times and uh, people around me are a lot. And so it begs a lot of questions. What what is this thing that we're dealing with? Uh, How is it aggravated by the external circumstances of the world? Um, Why would it be aggravated that way? Uh, does that throw us off course? How do we handle, how do we maintain equilibrium when certain, the dark parts of us are, are activated and put us in these states of anger or dismay or depression or whatever? Um, and so in order to figure that out for myself, I started just paying attention and asking questions. Questions are my favorite thing. Questions are doors to the universe. You ask a question, you're, you're asking to open a door. You are opening a door by asking the question. You're grabbing the doorknob of the uh, cosmic uh, door that's in front of you and you're opening it. And then the universe is, when you allow for, for the flow of what that question might, might uh, bring forth, the universe is speaking to you. That's how, and it seems like a small thing. I'm at an intersection thinking about random shit and... Um, a lesson comes out of nowhere that's very helpful. And part of that is because I maintain this openness to the universe's teaching me uh, how to become more wise, how to get to these states that I know are possible. And these, they're, they're privy to people who are open to them and who give, who care about that kind of thing. I don't think it's something that a person is born with a talent for wisdom or whatever. There, there may be a desire for wisdom. I have that. And, um, so asking questions takes my ego, for lack of a better word, out of the equation and allows for that door to be open and allows for the cosmos or however you look at it, God, to pour that information into my psyche somehow. And, uh, obviously words don't do all this justice, but we're going to go with that. I'm, you know, I'm doing the best I can. And my heart is hopefully conveying all the things that it needs to convey. Okay, so a second metaphor, metaphorical situation happened. Um, as I put it into my mind that I really wanted to face into this stuff that kind of feels like it's chasing me a lot of the time. It's just biting on my heels and uh, throwing little shit in front of me as I'm walking on my path and making me trip over it. And so uh, some of the music I'm writing and the, the different uh, works of fiction and nonfiction that I'm writing are allowing me to turn and face this thing so that it can't bite at my heels anymore. 
And um, another metaphor occurred where I started staining wood in my bedroom because there was a day last week where I had all these things going on. I have to practice five instruments. I get to practice five instruments, but some days it feels like have to. I've just got to admit that. Um, That's a lot to maintain. And I have uh, shows coming up and gigs that involve using these instruments. So there's pressure to learn music and, and, you know, do, do things and switch gears quickly. And it does have a oneness about it. I'm the one playing all the instruments. So, so I know how to, how to do that from the way I've done things for years. But there's also this, um, you know, I have a a standard that I want to maintain and I want to show up being able to play well and with five different modalities happening at one time uh and variations on that which you know the stylistic switching and all that stuff that that is intertwined with all of that makes it a little pressure filled at times to hold up all those plates so one day I just like let all the plates crash I didn't do anything and decided I was going to stain the wood in my bedroom and the the trim was, you know, it's an older trim and it's kind of a cedar reddish color. And I just wanted some some dark um, edges around it. So I'm staining, I'm using the darkness literally to change the nature of the wood. And I didn't want to take away from the the entirety of the redness that was there because there's a, there's a beautiful richness to that red color. So I would, I I painted uh, with the paintbrush the stain on the wood itself and then used the ball of cheesecloth to pull off the um, stain in the middle and keep it darker around the edges so it faded. It had a sunburst effect of this red in the middle and then fade to, fades to the outside with this dark. And the pulling of the nature of the wood to the surface and working through it, adding the darkness, looking at it, uh, working with it, getting the stain on my hands a little bit. It's water-based, so it, it, it's fairly uh, low VOC, all those things. It's fairly uh, uh, innocuous to my person. I don't have bad reactions to it. So I was in that mode with all of that. And the darkness that I am turning around trying to face and deal with was right next to me. And it, it wasn't like physically in the room. I wasn't looking at it and talking to it or anything. But I could feel where it was. And rather than be behind me and dark and menacing and this feeling of, you know, just being uh, unable to um, really put a name on it or understand what it is, it was beside me. And it was had a neutral feel to it. And um, that to me was the best place for it to be because we can work together to for the higher good. We can work together um, to just accept that there is a dark part of the human experience. We are on this planet. I just wanted, when I was a kid, just to be all light, all balls of light. And then mistakes occurred, um, trauma happened, different things occurred that threw my equilibrium off. And I never lost a taste for wanting to be in the light and be part of that. But there's a realization that occurred um, that the... Being 100% light, there's even the Jesus figure is he, his existence on the planet was light, but this darkness accompanied his existence, which was how he died. And all you know, by the 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 historical account or the parable, how you want to look at however, however you want to look at it. Um, so 
I am a proponent of balance, so I want to be in a state of balance and accepting that this darkness happens, that we are bumper cars on the planet. We're doing the, a lot of us are doing the best we can. Some people have ill intent, uh, and understanding our own darkness helps us wrap our heads around the fact that somebody might actually enjoy being in that uh, state of hurting people. I am not one of those people. I do not like the idea of hurting anyone for any reason. But, you know, I understand that I'm human, though, and there are these balances that are happening. So um, I wrote a book, and it took about 10 years to write. It's not out there yet. I, I Unleashing it onto the world is going to be one of those uh, judgment calls and a, a, probably a timing thing. But I want to talk about that because it opened the door to uh, really facing into some of the heaviness of my existence and the difficulties that I've I've gone through um, in, you know, losing family members and things like that uh, to very dark circumstances. And so the premise of the book was, it's the Jack, it's about Jack the Ripper. It's called the Victorian. I may have mentioned it before. I don't, I don't know for sure, but I, um, it's about redemption for one of the most evil characters in history. And my ideas about that time period in Europe, especially England, were that it's the 1890s and Jack the Ripper is, you know, on the scene and there's a lot of just horrible stuff going on, especially in London uh, at that time. And the 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 impetus for all that is likely the industrial revolution people are flocking to the cities because um technology is raising the bar and uh there the population has exploded a little bit and so there's this density of people in one place in western um uh, in the western hemisphere and this is causing you know, bumper cars on a huge level and people are acting, you know, in their baser instincts. And to me, the, um, the presence of Jack the Ripper is representative of what is happening at that time. So I took this character and because I know somebody who wrestled demons and really had a rough time, and there were reasons for all of that, and the person ended up dying. Uh, the reason I wrote the book is so that somebody reading it, whoever has felt as though they were irredeemable, would have a, a way of understanding that there is still a way to live a higher vibration life, even despite some of the worst things that a person can do. And um, so... Jack the Ripper goes through phases of dealing with what he's done. Now, there's a distinct possibility that the real Jack the Ripper did not give two tenths of a flaming shit about uh, anything. Like, had zero conscience and didn't feel those kinds of things. But for the purposes of understanding how a person could do this and come back from it, I had this idea that maybe they... maybe. He did these things, and it could have been a she, but I believe it was a he, um, 
maybe maybe he did these things and there was possibly a time when he felt bad for after each situation that happened or he was in a frenzy and did you know killed all these people and then came back and uh after that frenzy the reason he stopped would either he died or had some kind of uh you know understanding that made him realize that he didn't want to keep doing that but so uh the 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 beginning of the book says for anybody who's ever felt like they couldn't um come back I don't I forgot how I worded it come back from something uh this this is for you and so I go through the possibilities of his past lives it's called the Victorian the past lives of Jack the Ripper uh, the possible past lives that would cause him to have to meet out a certain type of karmic retribution for what happened to him in a previous life. And so he starts to have inklings of um, what happened to him in the previous life. And at, there's a point after he's killed a few times and, and starts to feel this remorse that comes in. And then he has to get back onto the killing thing to make the remorse go away. So that's a spiral that he gets on. Um the uh he starts to have this realization that and and then a pa- a memory from his his current life comes to the surface uh as he works with Sigmund Freud um <laughs> and they were alive at the same time so I'm like why not throw them together um he starts to realize that there is a a situation in his current life that caused him to have this traumatic it was a tra- traumatic event that made him go into this uh serial killer mode it it erased his ability to access his conscious conscience and uh he had to deal with this darkness he was carrying so but the the reason for all of this uh comes together that there is a a past life situation where he was a persecuted character and all of the prostitutes that he ended up killing were part of this mob that killed this historical figure that he was in the past and when he has the final realization that this is what is happening uh, he suddenly realizes that he doesn't want to be driven by this anymore. And that is the the karmic balancing. It's not that he kills the people because that that is a spiral that is not the point, but it is part of the weird lesson pattern, however you want to look at it, that some people get into. And uh, I wanted to take away this idea that there could be an excuse for bad behavior also. There may be a reason for it, karmically but there is no excuse for it and he comes to that realization that he doesn't have to do this anymore because he he has realized what the past life is and he is released from the karmic uh debt not because of what he did but but because of how he realized what was happening and i'm again i'm not an expert on this stuff i just have an inkling and a feeling and a somewhat of a, a a propensity to believe that the realization of these things neutralizes the uh, karmic spiral or the spin of of having to to do that kind of thing. Now, of course, this depends on a person's belief system. You do not have to believe in uh, the idea of karma, and um, you know, of course, reincarnation is is something that not everybody believes. So this may not. Uh, apply to some of the listeners and I don't expect it to. There are ways that uh, especially Christianity has of dealing with that uh, rebirth feeling and you know my Jack the Ripper character got to it in a certain way and there are other ways to get to that and very respectable ways um, of and and 
awe-inspiring. Whatever works to get to that feeling of free freedom from the negative energies and freedom from this obligation to work either in accordance with the negative energies or against them, which is all this intense work that we have to do. And uh, there's a way to get to that feeling of release and to have that darkness there as a reminder of what the human condition is possible, but not as something that is a driving force for a person's actions. So please take or leave any of this stuff. It's not, uh, there's no sense of morality being thrown out here. People uh, go through life and, and we know what we know and we, we work with the lessons the best we can, most of us. Uh, and the, it's, it's about that. It's about how, how do we work with that? And people who feel as though they've got an irredeemable situation, there is something higher level going on trying to get us to this feeling of um, bliss. And when we're in that state of um, that highest vibration state, and I go in and out of it, I don't pretend to be in it all the time, obviously, I wouldn't be doing this particular episode. But when I'm in that state, there isn't a need for doctrinal morality to be like driven home or uh, you should do this or uh, should or shouldn't do that. A person acts in accordance with the light and it's an automatic thing. And so tuning ourselves to that light will create a better, it has a ripple effect, it will create a better world and without this feeling of, um, you know, lack of redemption or inability to, um, to be anything but our circumstances. And we're all capable of the light and we're all capable of this higher level vibration. And I just needed some house cleaning. I needed to pull out some of the corrosion and stuff that was that was clouding my lens the my my perception the the purity of the lens allows for the beauty of the world to come through the vibrancy of the colors the uh, amazingness of the that's not a word but <laughs> the amazing quality of the colors in, on the planet the the sensory beauty, the depth of perception, all these things, these beautiful things, they get corroded by disappointment, by all these uh, negative energies, by pain, by... And if we take time to acknowledge what it is, get inside of it a little bit, not to the point where we lose our shit or lose control. And if, if a person needs help, get it. I get help from different avenues all the time. And... um finding a balance with the physical and the mental and the spiritual, seeing what that looks like. And then hopefully all those kind of um, delineations and uh, categorizations fall away. And this oneness and this ball of light occurs for us. And we're able to vibrate in that higher state more often. Don't let anybody talk you out of your power, including yourself. That shit is yours. Have an amazing rest of your week. And again, whatever doesn't work, throw it out the window. If something does resonate, awesome. Have a great day.